space. Tonight we have a Brianna Maitland episode, and we speak with Brianna's old friend, Megan. Yeah, there's not much that we can do to set up this episode other than say that uh, so far... Brianna's family and her friends have come forward in a in a very very aggressive and and productive manner. Um, I, I was debating whether or not to use the word aggressive, but you know it's about time. And you'll you you hear uh, you hear Megan and and just her voice alone, you can just tell that this something needs to happen. Um, I don't want to set it up too much, but it is it's a it's a it's a pretty solid interview. And it's a pretty solid call for justice, too. And if you if you hear this episode and you know anything about the people who are involved and the people we're speaking of, or if you are the people involved or the people we're speaking of, feel free to reach out. And we are joined by Chloe in the interview, but not here in the intro. Okay, so thank you very much for listening. Follow us on Twitter at CrawlspacePod. Thank you. Welcome to Crawl Space, Megan. How are you? Good, you doing well over here in the crawl space studios um we talked to your friend uh katie and had a really interesting and i think productive uh discussion um a few weeks ago so uh so we kind of wanted to we wanted to follow up with you and and sort of go further um so before we get into um the investigation stuff let's talk a little bit about your friendship with brianna how did you meet brianna I actually met her through um, Jillian uh, a couple years before she went missing. Um, But when she transferred to Enosburg High School and she was friends with Katie is when I got to know her better and built more of a friendship with her. I just want to, uh, on behalf of uh, myself, uh, thank you for coming on as as well. It takes a lot of courage to do what you're doing. And, you know, we'll try to make it as comfortable for you as possible. Um, how old were you when you, when you when you met Brianna? When I met her, I must have been 14, 13, 14, I think, 14. And had you grown up in the area or were you a transplant? Around the area, not in Enosburg. I had been in Enosburg for about a year before I met Brianna. Okay, and you were friends with Jillian, and that's uh, Jillian Stout, right? Yep, Jillian okay. Stout. What was Brianna like? Oh, what wasn't she like? She was just always smiley, outgoing, friend to anyone and everyone. She could make anything a good time. Just fun, I guess is the best word to describe her. <laughs> do you remember the moment you met her? I do. Actually, I was walking with Jillian um, and Brie was in a jujitsu class and she saw her through the window and she said, I want to introduce you to my friend. And I was watching her through the window thinking, wow, I should really never mess with this girl. (laughs) She looks tough. (laughs) So what, what was she doing in the class that made her look tough? Just, I mean, just 
it's hard to explain, I guess, but just, you know, jujitsu, martial arts, it's, I've never done it myself. I've always wanted to, but it's intimidating. <laughs> so she could handle herself physically. Yeah, definitely. And she was the same age. She was 14 when you saw her at the jujitsu class. Um, she was, uh, two years older than me. Oh, okay. Or about, you... about a year and a half older than me, I guess. Okay. Do you remember what, uh, what rank she was, what belt she was when you met her? I'm not sure. But a, a, a high enough belt that you were like, I'm not going to try to start shit with this girl. Yeah. <laughs> and were you friends with her from that moment right up until, um, right up until her car was found? Um, it was, I didn't get close with her until maybe not quite a year later when she started going to Enosburg school and she was friends with Katie who I was close with. And she kind of got, became a part of our circle and we got closer and then, yeah, up until her car was found. So you were friends with, with Jillian and then you became friends with Katie and then you became friends with Brianna. Who else was in your circle of friends or does that pretty much, does that pretty much cover it or were there uh, some peripherals? There was others. Um, Keely lacrosse. Um, I think you guys have talked to her or going to talk to her. Um, Sid, Hillary. That's most of us, I guess <laughs> the main circle. And what did the main circle do for fun? Um, punk teenager stuff, I guess. <laughs> Mostly rode around, had fun, partied. What did you think when you first heard that Brianna was missing? Honestly, my first thought, um, I had heard somebody said <clears throat> a few days before that her and Jillian were talking about running off to Florida. So I, I laughed and I thought that they had taken off until I found out Jillian was, you know, the one that told her parents that she was missing or, you know, was looking for her and that Jillian was still around. Then I was worried because it wasn't like her for nobody to hear. Oh, I see. So when you first heard of Brianna's disappearance, when you first heard that she was missing, you had originally thought, oh, her and Jillian actually did go to Florida because that's what Jillian had told you before. And then once you saw Jillian was around, that raised uh, that raised some concern for you. Right. When was it that this dark element seemed to enter Brianna's life? We were still close, I guess. She, We had fallen out of touch a little bit, not completely, but the crowd she was kind of hanging with made me really uneasy. So when she was with them... I opted out. Was that crowd always around or was it uh, a crowd that came into her life a couple years after you met her? Um, afterward when she was, you know, getting more into some heavier stuff. Okay. So they weren't people that you guys went to high school at the same time with? No. What was it about those people that you think this is just pure, you know, speculation on your part, unless there is a specific incident, but what is it about those people that you think drew her to them? Drugs. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> um, who were some of those people in that circle? Um, there was the people that made me uneasy were a group of guys that were not from Vermont. They were from out of state and they were, you know, bringing stuff into Vermont, heavier drugs. And I just, I got really bad vibes from them. And I actually begged some of the other girls not to hang around them. What did they say to that? The other girls? Yeah. They didn't, they didn't listen. <laughs> they didn't listen when you warned them about this group, that you had bad vibes and, and a bad feeling about them. And they didn't listen. Do you think they didn't listen because of the uh, the appeal of the drugs and what they were offering to them? that and you know i probably just sounded crazy oh we're teenagers you know <laughs> mm-hmm. you don't know what you're talking about yeah <laughs> well, how old were the this group older than us i'm not sure exactly how old but they were you know not teenagers you said that it was multiple girls that you were kind of begging to stay away from these guys were these friends of Brianna's from Enosburg High School or just various people that you knew? Both. Both. What was the situation with this group? When they come into town and they have, I'm assuming, a particular drug, they have some sort of product that they're offering, is is money exchanged for this, or is are were were these people that you know the, your group of friends, the people that you were begging to not uh, to not hang around with these guys? Were were they working? Were they paying for their drugs, or was it some sort of exchange? Because we've heard some stories. I cannot say with one hundred percent certainty, but probably you know a little of both. The money may be working for them. And they came in out of state with this uh, product to try to sell it. So they 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 came to meet Brianna and, and hang out with her and some of her friends to hopefully introduce them to people who would buy it. Is that what happened? I mean, I guess I don't know how it all originated. I didn't know. I didn't. You know, I didn't know when they came to town. I just they were there. I met them. I got bad vibes from them, so I didn't. I didn't hang around, so I didn't know a lot of what you know inside scoop there specifically. I never went with them. Did you? Um, were you raised in a house with uh, two parents and and uh, you know full attention, brothers and sisters, or anything? Um, kind of. <laughs> okay. Because I, I ask because what your decision at you you must have been sixteen or seventeen at the time, like fifteen. Fifteen, even better. Your decision at fifteen seems like a really mature decision, and I'm just was curious if your upbringing had anything to do with you having that sense that this is not the type of group that I want to hang around with. When I was fifteen, if someone offered me something that seemed fun, I'd be like, sure, sure, like I was an idiot. No, it wasn't anything like that. I, you know, I was certainly no angel in different crowds. It was that specific 
you know, those specific couple of people, it made me really uneasy. Were they connected with anybody else from the town that wasn't within your group? That wasn't within like, my like, group? Yeah, like, I guess I'm picturing it as if they're from out of town, they come into town, and they connect with some guys who um, wasn't that are not in your circle of friends, and then, you know, they, they, they kind of meet and, and kind of do their thing. Well, in a town as small as, you know, Enosburg, everybody's kind of connected in one way or another. You know, they hung around with people that I did hang around with. They hung around with people that I didn't hang around with who also hung out with each other. It's, you know, oh sure, not, not a very big community. So everybody's kind of intertwined in one way or another. What do you think it was that brought them to Enosburg, to that small town? Um, who knows, I guess. I mean, I know easy to be low-key, I guess. There's no, you know, like, Innsbruck doesn't have its own police. It just has sheriffs that patrol sometimes, so it's not, you know, it was a low-crime and a nice little tuck-away hiding spot, I guess, with a bunch of kids that are bored and have nothing to do, looking for a good time. Did these uh, guys leave town after Brianna went missing? Shortly after, yes. So how long in total were they around? Um, I don't know how long they were actually there, honestly. I mean, that I knew of, maybe a year or so, but they might have been around before. I'm not sure. I know one of them had more ties. You know, he was seeing a girl that he had a kid with but I don't know if she also came with them from out of state or I'm not really sure there did you think they were dangerous yes did they seem like violently dangerous yes was there any incidents of violence um not specifically that I know of do you think they were responsible for making Brianna go missing? At first, I did. At first, I thought 100% for sure. And as time's gone on, you know, there have been so many rumors. Sometimes it's hard to know what to think. But as time's gone on, I feel like there are people that are connected that were a lot closer to me than I would have liked, I guess. (laughs) I think that maybe they were there, that they know what happened. They maybe had some sort of role in it, not that they killed her necessarily, but I think there are people that were close to me at the time that know exactly what happened. wondering did you listen to our interview with Katie I did yeah so I assume that with the information that she gave you know who she was talking about I was wondering if you agree with what she was saying about what she thought happened or may have happened I do you do I do. just so I'm on and we're all on the same page 
you agree that there's a group of people who are responsible for Brianna's accidental death and they did a, a panic job and covered it up. And for the past 13 years, they just haven't said anything. And when the topic is brought up, they they probably turn to some sort of um, uh, alcohol or, or drug-induced uh, self-medication. I really do, yeah. After, you know, all the information that we've got over the years, I've... Yeah. Yeah, I do. Do you still have contact with these individuals? No. No. I have run into them very awkwardly. <laughs> you know, like, they'll try to talk to me, and I can't... I don't know for sure, so I don't want to say anything I don't know what to say to them I just very awkwardly try to ignore them very uncomfortable I've moved away from Enosburg but you know still in the vicinity what do you think is I guess the biggest thing that convinced you of this theory well um a lot of the things that, I mean, you know, everything's hearsay with this. Right. But certain things just started to add up after a while. You know, certain pieces kind of started to fit together. You know, especially after speaking with her dad and, you know, private investigators and police. Mm-hmm. And a lot of things just started to add up. Right. Yeah, there's so much information over the years that it all just kind of spins in your head. <laughs> but, right. you know, when you sit down and look at all the information that you've gotten, certain, you know, certain things will start to pop out and piece together. And it, it just makes sense. So you said um, it's hearsay. So it, these aren't firsthand accounts of anything that you've heard? Not not from the mouths of the people that I feel were involved, but from people that have spoke with them, heard them say things, heard them get emotional, you know, kind of weirdly emotional about it. Um, stuff like that. Not, you know, not from the mouths of the people I think know or had something to do with it, but from, you know, people that have spoke with them. Have you or the people who... You just mentioned people who have have heard from the mouths of the, the you know the hearsay people. Have you or those people spoken to the police and told the police what you've heard? I have. Um, you have. have. Any information I've had, I've told them. But um, you know, I heard from this person that this person said that. Yep. Just doesn't go very far. <laughs> Not a whole lot they right. can do with it. Right. Right. You volunteered this. You went to them. When's the last time you spoke with them? The last time I actually spoke with them was um, in 2017. The end of 2015, I got these really weird messages from this girl claiming that she was, that Bree was alive somewhere in Vegas. And I, you know, brought the cops my 
I opened my Facebook on their computer and let them read through it and take, you know, printouts or whatever it was that they did. And apparently, I don't know, they ended up saying it was some sort of scam or something, but um, I don't remember exactly the last time I spoke to them before that. Been multiple times. <laughs> did they seem interested that, uh, that Brianna was alive and in Vegas? I mean, they did, I guess. I don't know. They actually never followed back up with me. It was her dad that I spoke with because they, I gave them the information and then they spoke with him. When you say they, do you mean local police or state police? State police. State police. I don't know. It's frustrating because. Very frustrating. Yeah, because you said something that kind of, I don't know. You said something that frustrated me when you said, you told the state police that you went to them and said this person said this about Brianna's death and they didn't seem that interested. Or you said, like, well, what are, what are they going to do? You know, and it's unfortunate that you have to leave a scenario like that with that feeling like, well, you know, I guess they can't do anything. What are they going to do? I think their job is to follow up on that. I think it is, too. I think a lot of things were their job that they dropped the ball on. But isn't it something like that they, they can't really react to what you're saying and, and they have to just kind of stone face you and then they can do whatever it is they do? You're probably right on that, honestly. My impression is that they wouldn't be doing their jobs properly if they gave any indication of the direction of the lead that was given. Right. Okay, so then my follow-up question is, as far as you're aware, did they then contact the people who you said heard something about Brianna's death, about her accidental death? I have no idea. Right. Because I, I guess you're, I guess you didn't, I guess it, I guess you weren't in the circle of people to follow up with that person that they might have gone to talk to. It's not like you got on your cell phone and said, hey, did the cops talk to you? Because I told them this. Right. Right. So maybe they did. Yeah. And they're not going <laughs> to, you're not going to sit down and tell them, hey, the, you know, this story, and they're not going to react like we would react, which is like, oh my God, you know, they have to stone face you. So hopefully they did follow up with it. Do you think that the people involved would become more dangerous? Or do you have any indication or any sort of fear that the people involved would become more dangerous if they ever heard that law enforcement was turning up the heat on this case because of certain pressure that was being put on them? I guess it's hard to say. Um, at one point, I would have said, no, I don't think so. But at that point, I thought I knew these people better. I haven't spoken to any of them, really, other than the unfortunate run-ins. I haven't spoken to any of them in years, so I I don't know what they're like these days, if they're, you know, healthy, living life well, or if they're, you know, doing drugs in a basement somewhere, <laughs> honestly. So it's hard to say. But the latter, then they probably would become more dangerous. But these aren't people that you know to be killers or something like that, right? This is, um, no. some, this is something that was... Uh, from what you've heard and what, what Katie told us sounds like it was, it was an accidental death and then they freaked out. Is that 
what you've heard happen? That's what I've heard, yeah. And that's, you know, I feel like that would make a lot of sense. You know, maybe she overdosed and instead of dropping her off at a hospital door and taking off, they made a really bad decision to cover it up. What did you hear that you went to the police with and said, hey, I, this person said this thing and you need to check it out? Um, I mean, there have been multiple things. I don't, honestly don't remember which time I've said which, <laughs> to be completely honest. Um, but there have, you know, there have been multiple things. There were, most of the things were, that I specifically went to them with were in the very beginning so, and, you know, it was so crazy at that time. I don't really remember. We, you know, of course, we heard that she was in the manure pit. We heard she was fed to pigs. We heard she was found tied to a tree. We heard she was in the river. <laughs> we heard she was in somebody's basement. We, you know, we just heard so many things and course every time we heard something we went to them so you know a lot of things i guess so if this is right this this isn't murder um and it seems like these guys made a a decision that wasn't very intelligent because it wasn't murder but yet they went through the process of dropping off Brianna's car and now it's 13 years later and they've completely gotten away with it to this point so something about that doesn't add up it feels like to me yeah there's 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 certainly missing pieces yeah but I I think that there's people that are local that know exactly what those pieces are and are afraid to come forward with it how many people do you believe are aware of what happened that night? At least two. I think maybe three. Town people? People that are that are from the town? People that still live in the town? Yes. Why wouldn't they drop her off at the hospital? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Honestly. Maybe because they were messed up too. Maybe they thought they would get in trouble. She was a minor. They weren't. Um, I think it's just important for people listening. She clocked out at 11.30 and her car was seen as soon as 12.30 that night. So an hour after she punched out. And the Dutchburn barn was, I believe, one and a half miles from the um, Montgomery Inn where she was working that night. So that's really fast. I mean, that that means either either th- this overdose happened at at the Dutch burn, or she went to a party immediately, and then this really immediately happened. Everyone rounded up real quick, and then put this uh, unplanned plan into action. I'm really not sure, <laughs> honestly. I mean, that you know, there was people that lived in Montgomery. There was guy that lived really close to there there was and you know like out there it wasn't uncommon to meet up in a field and hang out and have a couple beers if you know instead of going to somebody's house you know sometimes we would literally just pull over on the side of the road or out in the middle of nowhere 
Nobody really cared. Do you know if Brianna was in trouble with anybody, if she was afraid of anybody, or if there was anything that was uh, warned to her that maybe could have put her in a position where her car is is stopped and she is uh, she's taken out of the car and then taken to a particular location where she was fed these drugs that, that she overdosed on? I mean, not that I knew of. No. I didn't know anybody that didn't like her. The only way I think that could possibly happen is maybe if she owed money. That could be possible, but I'm not. You know, that's what we all thought at first, was that, you know, maybe she owed money. It seemed like the most logical explanation. But then, like I said, which was why I thought it was, you know, those other guys. But over the years, it just things you know things we've heard just make it seem different the timing of the car being found would be weird I guess if something didn't happen locally maybe a combination of everything how do you think having answers would change your life right now I mean it would it's it's just, it's, it's always there, you know? I mean, I've lost multiple people, but I've been to their funerals. I've had closure, you know? And this has just been this open-ended, you know, literally almost half of my life. I, I almost don't even know how I would deal with closure. It would almost probably be weird at first, but having some sort of peace could just, you know, you know, justice for Brie. Yeah. Her soul rest. There was an, an interview that I saw from several years ago with Katie where she said that, you know, Brie deserves a funeral and everyone who loves her deserves a funeral. And I just thought that was pretty reminiscent of what you said in a really powerful statement that I think people should hear. Yeah, it's absolutely true. She doesn't just deserve to have her face on some missing poster forever. She's better than that. What do you think needs to happen for this investigation to move forward? I wish I knew. I guess somebody needs to come forward. Somebody needs to be maybe scared into coming forward. Think that they're going to, you know, do some jail time if not, or these need to push harder. Maybe I don't know how far they're allowed to push, I guess, without enough supporting evidence but now from what we know the police uh searched a a piece of property up there and found what we heard was a a saw in a manure pit and then when they approached the owner of the property to continue searching additional properties that this person also owned that person denied them uh access to those properties 
is that a pretty telling thing or or is uh is that something about the mentality of you know, you know the the old man stay off my lawn type I don't personally know the owners I know the son um well you know I knew all three of them I went to school with a couple of them so it's hard to say but I always thought it was weird that one property could be searched and not the others you know they have a few farms so why not search them all there's nothing there what harm will it do is the son somebody who you think had some involvement? Yes. Do you have a particular memory of Brianna that you uh, that you want to share? Um, I have a few. I guess the first one that comes to mind is one night she was just like my saving grace. I was in an argument with my boyfriend and... I didn't want to go down to where everybody's hanging out because he was there. And so I called her and I was just bugging out, having a fit. And she's like, I'm coming to get you. And she comes to get me and she tells me we're going snowboarding. I don't snowboard. I'd never been on a snowboard. I don't know what her experience was with it, but I borrowed one from my brother. <laughs> we got in her car and we drove to Orchard Hill, which is right in town, but it's a big hill that kids go sledding on. And so we get out of the car, we get all strapped into our snowboards, and there was so much snow that we then couldn't get up on the hill to actually go down the hill. So she drove her car into the snowbank so we could get onto the trunk of her car, then get the snowboards on to actually go down the hill once, and then we just ended up making snow angels and playing in the snow. <laughs> After all that work to go snowboarding, we went down the hill one time. <laughs> what a great way to distract you from something terrible. It was fun and an adventure. Yep, it was perfect. <laughs> was it the Was it the same car? Yes. Her boat. Had you ever met any of her boyfriends? Um, yeah, uh, a couple of them were guys that we hung around with, went to school with. Have you ever met James Robitelli? Yes. What was your impression of him? We always got along. Never really had any personal issues. We were never necessarily close, him and I, but we always had, you know, close friends. Like, I dated guys that were friends with him. I was friends with girls that he dated, so we were always kind of in the same circle. I was friends did, with his sister. Did you ever date him? Mm-mm. No. What do you make of his story that night? I guess for a while I always bought it. Um... Until more recently, when I heard that the story he gave wasn't true. And so, you know, no matter what he was up to, I guess, why not? You know, why lie about it? Why say you were somewhere else? Now, the story he gave police was that he came through the Canadian border at what time? Um, I'm not sure what time, but I know he said he was in Canada and he came through after midnight was the lie where he was coming from or the time that he was that he saw her car i believe that he was not even in canada that night so both both right does he maintain that he saw her car 
I'm not sure. I haven't actually spoken to him in years. It's known that three weeks before she disappeared, there was a fight, and she and that Brianna subsequently filed charges against Keeley. Yeah. I was wondering if were you there that night? I was at that party. I wasn't right there when it happened. Um, I was across the parking lot. Actually, I saw Bree go running by with blood on her face, <laughs> and then she got in a car with somebody and left. I think, but I didn't actually see it happen. She went running by with blood on her face. So the story is is that Keely punched her while Brianna was sitting in a truck. Yeah, Bree was sitting in James's truck, I believe, actually. Um, and from what I was told, which I believe to be true, I was told from a couple people, Keely was upset with her over boys, um, and Bree would not fight with her. And, you know, Bree could fight. Like I said, she took jiu-jitsu, but she didn't like to just fight. Um, so Bree wouldn't fight with her. So Keely... Keely's tough too. Um, but so Keely hit her once, said, Will you fight me now? Bree said no. Keely hit her again. Bree still wouldn't fight her. And that's how it ended. Keely wouldn't continue to fight her. She wanted her to fight with her, but she wouldn't, so it just kind of She hit her she hit her twice and she hit her hard enough to give Brianna a concussion, right? Yeah. Brianna was in the truck with James. I don't know if James was in the truck but she was in James's truck. Good. Okay, because when you hear she was in James's truck, I've always just pictured her and James hanging out, and that's what makes Keely upset, and Keely goes over and, and and like, sucker punches her. No, it wasn't. It was about boys, but not about James. <laughs> right. Um, oh. But it, was, it wasn't a sucker punch. Keely wanted her to fight with her and was, you know, trying to egg her on, and Bree wasn't having it, so it, Keely was like, well, fine then. <laughs> The fight was over boys. Um, our understanding was that the boy the fight was over is the man in question whose manure pit was searched and has all the properties. Is that the case? That's the one. Yeah, that's the one. That's the one. So was this fight related to why Brianna went missing? I don't think that that had anything to do with it. I think about how in the disappeared episode on ID discovery, how that incident was described. And a part of me feels bad for Keely because, you know, when you're young and, you know, you're going to parties and using drugs, you you make mistakes. And obviously that was a huge one and a terrible thing that she did. But I just, I feel like that, that must plague her and haunt her at at this point. Like I, kind of become a part of who she is as an adult and that just a part of me doesn't feel like that's fair if she had nothing to do with it I think you're right about that I know she was upset when she saw a picture of Bree's face and she saw her black eyes and she you know couldn't believe that she did that and she was upset about it and you know then especially after she's missing everybody's looking at her like she did it when it you know bad timing on getting in a fight yeah. <laughs> so that's a bit of a clarification that I feel good about that 
you know, you can take any incident that happens before something tragic happens and try to make sense of it and relate it to the tragic incident. And to almost strip that one away feels feels pretty good. That if Brianna didn't go missing, if, if what everyone thinks happened to her actually happened, at least we know that it doesn't have to do with this punch in the face from from Keely. From a 16 or 17 year old. Right. Hormonal girl. <laughs> yeah, right. amazing. <laughs> However, it does involve one of the one of the parties that you claim had something to do with or was there. Right. During her death. Right. I feel like it's probably unrelated. But yes, same person. Yep. Do you think were they seeing each other at that time? Bree? Yeah, Brianna and and the person that they were fighting over? No. She um at the time of the party, Bree was with James. I'm pretty sure. How long was it from that party where Keely punched her to when they found Brianna's car? It's been at least a couple weeks, two, three weeks. Still within the same time of the year. So maybe late February. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I probably thought that. She was seeing James when she when they found her car. And Keely was upset with Brianna maybe seeing this other boy on the side during that party. I don't think she necessarily thought she was seeing him. But maybe just being a little too flirty. So it's safe to say that this boy was very accepting of her flirtation. Most likely, I'm sure. So it wouldn't be out of the it wouldn't be out of the realm of possibility that he might invite her to his house or convince her to go to some place that he was where she accidentally overdosed. Not at all. Okay. It's totally possible. And you don't think Keely knows any anything about the night she went uh, the night Brandon went missing? I don't think she knows. I think maybe she had some similar suspicions, but I don't think she knows. I want to go back to the to, to James, and you said that his story made sense until you found out that it was a lie. And where did you find out, and who did you find out from? You don't have to say specifically, but when and where and who did you find out that this was a lie? One of my conversations with Katie and some of, you know, the officials and people that we have spoken with. What I've never understood is, doesn't the border have cameras? <laughs> Couldn't they have checked this? I think we said that right off the bat. Like, I, And I think it's something that people just assume that if he said it and it's out there and, no, you know, it, it hasn't gone away and no one has ever heard anything about it being a lie. I think I know I kind of assume, well, they must have checked on it. I know they have cameras and they check these things. They probably saw it. And it, it's one of those things that in the social media age, you just, you know, you put it out there, you put a piece of information out there and it just becomes, it becomes fact until, until we hear something like this. And, and honestly, the law enforcement has no real reason to put out there that he didn't tell the truth. Yeah. Like, you know, cause there's certain things they probably know, but they can't tell anybody. They don't want to give stuff away. So he might say something to them. So do you have any indication or any knowledge of his whereabouts? No, I don't know. I mean, I've heard things, I guess, but I don't know for sure where he would have actually been. 
is there any indication that where he was and who he was with had any bearing on the events that that went down when when Brianna allegedly overdosed? It could be very possible. And from the stories you've heard, the alleged overdose, was it done in such a way where she was fed drugs or was she consuming drugs on her own until she didn't was until she wasn't able to take it anymore? I think she would have been consuming them on her own. Like Katie did at the end of uh, last episode, is there anything you'd like to say to these people if they were listening? <clears throat> Man up. Own it. You know, give her friends and family and her some closure. person goes missing, their loved ones often find themselves overcome with worry and grief. Bruce Maitland started the 501c3 nonprofit organization Private Investigations for the Missing because he knows this feeling all too well. When Bruce's daughter Brianna disappeared in March 2004, he was surrounded by licensed private investigators dedicated to finding her. Now his mission is to provide dedicated private investigators at no cost to other families of the missing, desperate for answers but without the financial means. Private Investigations for the Missing needs your help. To read the mission statement, make a donation, and keep up with our blog, visit us at investigationsforthemissing.org and follow us at PI for the Missing on Twitter and Facebook and Investigations for the Missing on Instagram. Because forever is too long to wait.